Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey, it's Nicole. I want to let you know that today's episode is heavy and it brings up a lot of feelings. I talk with my friend and colleague, Marie Cockerham, about why this pandemic is hard as it relates to healthcare workers, especially nine months in. And then what are ways that we can take care of ourselves through this really difficult time? If there ever was an episode I'd want to go viral, it's this one. If you know a healthcare worker who is struggling right now, please send this to them. Please share this with your colleagues. We discuss a lot of resources to help yourself through this pandemic and trigger warning suicide comes up in this episode. I've linked up some resources for crisis lines, suicide hotlines, counseling resources, as well as other options out there. Remember, we need to check in on each other, and it is imperative that we take care of our mental health so that we will all be there on the other side when this is all over. Sending you so, so, so much love. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I'm so excited because I have my friend and colleague, Marie Cockerham, on the show. She's a nurse with over about, what, 15 years of ICU experience? Yeah, gosh, like 15. I think I graduated nursing school in 2004, so. Amazing. You've got a ton of of experience. You've had a variety of roles. You were a bedside nurse, then you got your master's, and you went on to be a, a critical care nurse educator. And you were so powerful in that role um, and made such an impact. Now you're in a new role that you're a staff support specialist. Mm -hmm. And you basically spend all of your time dedicated to promoting resiliency in nursing, right? Is it nursing and other professions? Yeah, really anybody. So my role is for really anybody that works in the hospital. So that can be environmental services. It can be a doc. It can be an occupational therapist whoever that that's incredible. (laughs) And I want to talk about why that's incredible. Um, it, but before we do that, I'm going to say today, I hope what we can talk about wellness and nursing, why we might be at a critical point in this pandemic, um, as we're here like nine months in, and then what are some ways that we can take care of ourselves? But before we do any of that, how are you doing today, Marie? I'm doing okay. (laughs) I was just asking you, Nicole, I was like, this isn't recorded, right? Because I have no makeup on. 
That's good. Um, Still, or video recorded, I should right, say. Right, right, right. So, Still in your pajamas. Still in or... my pajamas. Uh, but I think, you know, it's up and down, you know, some days are okay and some days are really hard. I think probably everybody feels that way right now. Um, and I think it's hard. You know, what's kind of hard is asking people how they are right now, because it's like, you know, they're just going to say, I'm fine. I'm hanging in there. Like they don't want, we don't want to burden each other with like, how are we really doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and right, so like, I was like, that's a hard question nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, right. Cause we don't want to burden people. And then we think like, how much time do you have? <laughs> Like I had, you know, not, not last night, but you know, you could say, God, I had nightmares or I'm not sleeping or, you know, whatever Mm. it is. Uh, do you really want to know the truth? But yeah, Yeah. what a, what a great, uh, revelation, Marie. (laughs) I don't know if it's a revelation or just, uh, (laughs) like, how do I ask a question in a different way that it won't give me the fine answer? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Because you, you care, you want to know, right? Yeah. 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 Generally. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, but you know, it's hard. I think, you know, um, I struggle with my own depression and anxiety. So especially when it's dark and you have this whole seasonal effective on top of it and the holidays are not my best time, you know, it's, and everything that's happening in the world, you know, like, Never mind COVID-19, but everything with racial injustice and the election and, you know, just like one hit after another. It's like, you know, what's funny is I was talking to a nurse the other day and they were like, yeah, so when do you think the tsunami is going to hit? And in my head, I was like, I didn't think like COVID tsunami. I thought, yeah, I mean, like, when are we going to have a natural disaster? (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh my God. It's, you know, I feel like that's kind of where my head is. It's just like, what? Come on. (sighs) So I keep breathing. Yeah. I, this, I think it's actually, it's really, um, beautiful that you mentioned that you talked about your own anxiety and depression. Um, and a lot of people obviously struggle with, um, you know, I start with their own issues. Um, what are you doing to help yourself through this period? Like, what are you doing to dig, to dig in, dig into for yourself to make things better? Yeah. Or more manageable. Well, for sure. I'm talking to my, uh, counselor every week. (laughs) So, um, so I kind of re-upped on that. I, you know, had kind of, I've gone through waves of like how much I connect to a counselor, you know, since I started going like 10 years ago. Um, but I definitely need that like once a week check-in it's just 30 minutes, but it makes such a big difference. Um, And sometimes I look forward to it. And sometimes I feel like I 
don't want to do this any like there's nothing there's anything else I would rather do than check in about this right now and that's probably when I need it the most mm-hmm. um but it's just so it just feels so good to have somebody else be like I don't know like really connect with you and and know that there's not really a wrong answer for anything like however you feel is just how you feel and you don't have to filter anything. And, um, I mean, I love my counselor, so she's always like giving me like great ideas of different things that connect to me. Like, you know, I'm really, I really connect to words and, you know, inspirational readings and things like that. That's something that gives me a lot of joy. Like I love Cleo Wade. She's my favorite of all time. I think I introduce you to, but you did, you did. And I thank you for that. (laughs) So I think it's, I don't know. It's also nice to just brainstorm with somebody that, you know, doesn't have like any other agenda other than just to be with you, you know? So that's probably my biggest thing. I think, um, trying to, I mean, you know, I feel really lucky because I didn't have to stay home and, um, be in front of a zoom computer in my house. Like I've had to do that a bit at work, but, um, you know, even in the beginning, I felt like, man, my like day to day in my role hasn't really changed that much because I still get up and I go to work. Like my routine is still the same. Like, the work I'm doing is different and the people I'm supporting and how I'm doing that is different, but there wasn't that like big routine disruption that a lot of people felt, um, which I know even just like within nursing, when I, you know, especially during the first surge, like so many people were redeployed to different places that they weren't comfortable at and had never been before, didn't know anything about. And so you know, and I still hear about like how, how much distress that caused, you know, even nine months ago. And then now here we are, like, here we are again, probably that's going to happen again, you know? So, um, I feel like I went on a tangent. I, I loved all of it. First of all, (laughs) um, thanks for plugging, uh, therapy. I also, I also talk, see a therapist, um, and, have made sure to connect with my therapist during this. It's funny. I actually started therapy again for the first time in a long time, like a year ago. So I had that connection before the pandemic hit and I was really grateful. Um, I just as a plug, I've been having trouble sleeping. So I got a prescription for trazodone. So, you know, I mean, I reached out to my doc, but I mean, we are, we are, um, going through uncertain times and now we're, you know, like nine or 10 months in, I have a side question about one thing that you said. Um, what did, what were ways that you, and if it applies, it applies, if it doesn't, it doesn't, but what were ways that you supported staff who were redeployed and had anxiety about it after or, or at all during that time period? Did you have the ability to support them at all? Yes, but it's, um, I mean, I did my best, you know what I mean? So we were, I mean, luckily during the first um, 
surgeons. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Anyway, the first wave wave explosion, explosion, tsunami, tsunami. Um, you know, we had, because we shut down in the hospital, so many surgeries, there was, um, a big labor pool that we had access to. And so luckily a lot of those people got reallocated to staff support, um, which was amazing. And so I had, you know, a bigger group of people that could check in on more people at that time. And so a lot of rounding, a lot of just, especially checking in with um, the screeners and the officers and these people that have been uprooted. Um, Never mind everybody else clinical that was going through so much, but um, definitely doing just sort of peer support check-ins. So how are you doing? What are you doing to take care of yourself today? You know, what's really hard right now? Can we brainstorm anything that's going to make that better? You know, and really just a lot of listening. That's really the best gift, I think. Um, And what people need, they don't really want you to fix their problems. They want you to say, yeah, that's a sucky problem. And um, I'm here with you, you know, so um, a lot of that, I think we did a lot of debriefs afterwards, but it's hard, you know, when the trauma's already been inflicted then, and it's not like, you know, in other hard times, we've had other hard times in nursing, you know, but it's not like you don't, you got to go home and have a break from it. You know, like you're not worried about your family or there's not somebody in your household that's sick or vulnerable or, you know, it's just, I've been kind of trying to explain it to people like when you're a nurse and you're at work and you're taking care of somebody that's dying, you are there and you're taking care of them. And, you know, you've got that you're in that space with them, but then you go home and most likely nobody is dying at your house, you know? And so you get that respite or that time to kind of recenter and reframe. But when it's just this constant all the time, it's like, where are those moments of reprieve? And they're hard to find and they're hard to ask for and they're hard to look for. You know, it's those, um, I think that's what makes it extra hard is it that it's like, there's not a break. Mm-hmm. And here we are about to, I mean, we're, you know, whatever, half the, we're, our, our numbers of COVID are just insane and we're surging all over the United States. And I feel like it's just opening up these wounds sort of from the beginning of when we had all of this anxiety and fear and, and, um, about what was to come. And like, here we are in the exact same place, nine months in, um, and it could be way worse. Um, and I bring that up, um, I mean, cause it's traumatizing, it's re-traumatizing and, you know, I know that you've talked about the sort of timeline of a disaster and like what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, How can you talk about the pandemic as it relates to nursing and, 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 or this disaster experience? Like why is it, why are we in that sort of troubling place? Yeah. Um, So what we know from previous disaster research and the Department of Health, the Washington State Department of Health, has actually been really good about putting together monthly projections about 
behavioral impacts in line with the timeline of the pandemic. Um, and so one of the pieces of research that we can kind of use not as a roadmap, but just sort of to know what a nor what I say normal in like quotes, but what <laughs> we could anticipate are phases that we would go through when we do go through a disaster like a pandemic is that you have this onset of the pandemic, you have your sort of normal baseline of resiliency and well-being, emotional health, and then you have the onset of whatever disaster it is, and then you have this huge uh, high when it comes to your emotional response because it's this, we're all in this together, this her heroic phase, you know, I mean, I know we've all heard that like a million times, like the heroes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people are like, but what was I before? You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, you know, so like plus or minus how much that is accepted, I think by our professions or health in healthcare as general in general, you know, but, um, but you do have this big community, like we're all in this together, everybody, all hands on deck we're going to get through this, whatever. And then that sort of peaks and you have this huge drop in what our emotional response is. And you go into this um, phase that's called disillusionment. So it's basically, you know, feeling like things are not as good as you thought they were. So, <laughs> which is like the definition of disillusionment, but, um, and it, it's, it's low. And especially here in these, you know, this uh, time frame that we're in, like the, you know, nine to nine months to a year, like this is the heavier and there's, there's going to be trigger events and we're going to have a little bit of a high and then more of a low, but it's heavy right now. And it's compounded with, like I was talking about, like the it's dark and it's the holidays. And those are always more risky times for us um, mm -hmm. and our mental health. And so to have that timing be on top of where we are from the onset of the pandemic is um, not, not nothing. And um, suboptimal, <laughs> suboptimal, you know? And so, but then, I mean, what I really like about that research is that there is this recovery phase that um, is projected to happen, you know, after a year. And really a lot of the research is that the end result of disasters and pandemics is resilience, not disorder. And I think that piece has <laughs> given me a lot of um, calm or just sort of something to ground myself to know, uh, you know, this is going to end at some point. You know, this is just, it's really hard. I think like everything, it's hard to see the forest through the trees, you know, right now. Um, it's a dense fucking forest. So <laughs> um, I don't No know. sunlight is coming in. The sunlight is not there. Um, but I, you know, and people, it's funny because, you know, I've been going and talking to people about that. And people have different reactions like, oh my God, yeah, this is so like, okay, now I understand. I feel like what I'm feeling then is normal or people are like, what, when will this end? Like stop, you know? Um, and that doesn't take too, into account if we have another surge, then that's that sort of, you get like that compounded effect for that heaviness. 
Um, and especially right now, if we're in the like lowest part of that, we haven't gotten through, worked through everything that was hard um, and caused us trauma in, from the nine months ago. And now we're gonna put that on top. Like that's, that's a lot to do all at once, you know? So uh, it's just, I know, I feel like they're very doom. I used to call it the doom and gloom report. I'm like, okay, everyone. I'm going to give you some information. I'm also going to give you a lot of resources in case it spins you out. <laughs> so, you know, you should probably put that disclaimer on this. Yeah. On <laughs> be, be forewarned. Yeah. yeah. Here are some tools. Actually, speaking of tools, well, I, before we go on, um, there's some of that that gave me a lot of hope, Marie. Like just hearing you say that this will end, that's actually not an untrue statement. It's true. It will end. The pandemic will end. And we've got a lot of vaccines on the horizon. Um, we just don't know when, but like it'll end. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, speaking of ways to help yourself if you're spinning out or if you, um, want to start do some work that's protective or helps promote resiliency. What can people do out there? What are some things that people can do to take care of themselves, Marie? Yeah. It's such a hard question because there's a different thing for every single person. You know, it's so individualized. And um, I think the biggest things right now are looking for those like micro shifts, like those little moments in your day where you can reframe something or take an opportunity. Like um, it's interesting, like the things that would be surprising that are research-based, you know, like random acts of kindness is research-based. Like there's actually, um, like that is an intervention for resilience, you know? So um, even I think like some things like that are so powerful and, you know, social connection is one of the biggest predictors for our resilience in general. And that's really tough right now because how do we stay connected to our friends and family, especially if they don't live in our household and, um, and we have to be so creative and do we even have the space to be creative right now? You know, so, but I think it's really like looking at your normal routine and that might be the routine of where you're in your workplace too, but like those personal and bigger routines and saying like, are there little things that I can do to refocus on really how I'm feeling or being more kind to myself or checking in with somebody else. Like um, actually one of the biggest things that increases social connection is acts of service, which um, is interesting and it's hard. Like how do you find the time to like volunteer right, right now? But I don't think it has to be something big like that. I think even just checking in on each other, that's an act of service, you know? And so um, the more that we can check in with each other, I think the better, I think, especially right now, all we're all so reactive to everything, you know? And so 
you're probably going to have a meltdown today and I should have grace because I'm probably going to have that same meltdown tomorrow, you know? And so just knowing that we're in a collective meltdown space together and, um, and we're so in our limbic system right now, we're like, we're so in our emotions and our base brain, like fight and flight that it's really hard to access any of that like more complex thinking in our prefrontal cortex. And so we kind of need each other to do that for us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's like giving some objectivity and like resetting, reframing things is a huge gift that we can give each other. Um, And just normalizing things, uh, validating things. Like we just sitting in this, yeah, we really are in all this together, but we need to make sure that we're seen and heard in a really authentic way to make that feel like it's a powerful thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I was reminded of something that's area of work that you, you know, a lot about which is self-compassion and the work by um, Kristen Neff. Um, There's these three components of it, but this common humanity piece, sort of that, which is what you're, talking about um like it helps knowing that we are really in this together um you have done a lot of work with self-compassion and how it can help benefit um our own resiliency can you talk a little bit about self-compassion or or what are some easy ways to practice self-compassion during this time (laughs) Yeah, I know it's, well, first I think it's, it's hard at baseline. It's hard right now, you know? So, um, I think really the first thing that you can do is just to be more aware of your thoughts and feelings. And that's really this piece of, uh, self-compassion that is mindfulness. And so just being more aware of what's coming and going in your body. And that could be like physical in your body or it could not be, you know, Um, just how you're reacting to things, like what things trigger you and and sort of settling in in the space of like not being judgmental of that to just let it be, which is really hard. And that's where our inner critic comes in a lot and tells us how awful we are and how we should be able to do this and uh, the shoulds, the coulds, you know, all of that stuff, they start to creep in. And so I think if you're more aware and you know, that's going to happen because we're human and then you notice when that starts to happen and you can stop and say, because for some reason our brain thinks that's helpful. I know. But um, at some point, it must've been helpful at, for something, but to be kind to yourself and say, thank you. I know you're trying to protect me. That's not helpful right now, you know? And so, and then saying something really just stopping and thinking like, what would my, what would Nicole say to me? If I told her, if she was telling me all the stuff that I'm telling myself, what would she say to me? Or what would I say to her? You know, I would not say you're the worst person that I've ever seen in my life. And right. you're, you know, a stupid is, piece of shit. Yeah. A stupid piece of like, I would never say that we say that to ourselves. Right. But we would, would never, never say that, that to you to somebody else. Sorry about that. Um, 
Um, but, and, and sometimes we don't, I think even just like asking for help, man, we hate asking for help. I know I am like top of that list, but, um, I think when we do, like we give people the opportunity to actually help us. Um, and I know I've seen that, especially when it comes to self-compassion. So, um, so remarkably because it makes you get out of your spin. You know, I know I've told the story before of, you know, just having a hard time, like really beating myself over up over a conversation and a circumstance and reaching out to a friend and being like, even though I talked to them like five times already about the situation, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, then finally they were like, okay, Marie, if you, if, you know, if I was telling you this story, what would you say to me? And I had to like stop and take a deep breath. And then my initial reaction was like, how dare you use self-compassion against me? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But it was true. You know, as soon as I could like stop and be like, you're right. I would tell you that it's not that big of a deal. And you know, you're, you know, you're a great person and well, you know, whatever, whatever you would do for your friends to lift them up because you believe those things about them. Like that's what we have to try to start to do for ourselves, but we can't do that if we don't know what's going on. You know, if we're just pushing things down and not feeling things and not thinking through things and, um, trying to process things as much as we can Mm -hmm. throughout, that's going to be a lot that's a lot to unpack, you know, uh-huh. at a later date. So, but it's a, it's a fine balance because how much do you, you know, for nursing, it's like, how much can you let yourself feel and process totally. and still do your job? So yesterday, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so we like, we need each other. And I think it needs to be okay to ask for help in a, in a more meaningful way than we do currently. Uh-huh. We, man, I'm like, we are the worst. (laughs) Nurses are the worst. We don't ask for help. We like to help other people. And um, I don't know. It's so so funny. I was thinking about, there was something that happened at work yesterday that was awful. And um, I wasn't, what didn't directly involve me, but you know, I'm not immune, right? To like feeling like, oh God, that's awful. <clears throat> but like five minutes later, I'm like walking down the hall and I had, I was like, what is this feeling I'm feeling inside me? Like I had this residual feeling and I, you know, I had to just, I was, you know, I had switched to another different role and I was moving towards, you know, I was precepting somebody or something. Right. So I had to totally switch gears, but yeah, I had this heaviness or this thing in my body. And then I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's, I don't know, is that sadness that I have? Is that whatever it is, it's this heavy-weighted feeling of, gosh, you know, the sadness for this loss of life, which is real. (laughs) Um, But it's just interesting, um, you know, as nurses, we we just have to keep, we have to keep going. And there's a lot to process in this pandemic and then, but norm, normal, you know, a lot of us are critical care nurses and just the intensity of what we do normally is insane. Um, so it adds an extra layer, but I, I appreciate, um, 
what you say, you know, what self-compassion can do for us and you explaining that, um, we do need to connect with one another. Yeah. Dig dig in deep. When I think too, just you taking that minute, even if you're just walking down the hall and being like, what is this heaviness? Oh, it's sadness. Like, I don't think you understand like how much work and like protective resilience, just that act of acknowledge, name, move on really does. And so I think that's a perfect example of something that's small that you probably don't even really realize is helping you, but can, and it can be something, you know, there's this saying, I think in psychology, like name it to tame it. And that really just talks about emotions because so many times we are just walking around feeling something that we can't put a name on and it just causes us more angst a lot of times, even if it's happy stuff, you know, like it's, um, so I think even just that example of you saying, what am I feeling? Oh yeah, this is sadness. Okay. You know, like that's good work to be doing. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, Marie. I've been (laughs) trying to do some more mindfulness uh, work. You know, I do, I'd like to do the mindfulness and and gratitude and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, um, you know, there's so many resources out there and they, um, like for example, the greater good science center, they, I love them. I love them. UC Berkeley. Um, they have about, I don't even know, a million different sort of micro practices or different kind of exercises that you can do like in the moment, after the moment, you know, they, I mean, if you need some ideas of like, what are some ways to take care of me, please go check that website out because you'll find something. And it's cool because they, um, put all the evidence behind all of their exercises, um, which is cool because, well, I think at least for ICU nurses, we're like, what's the data, you Mm -hmm. know? So, (laughs) um, it's, uh, it's nice to know that it's not just these things that are whimsical, that there's actual science behind some of them, you know? So, and there's a ton of apps like the, um, I think people have heard like headspace and calm. They all have meditation um, or, you know, deep breathing exercises, things like that. Insight timer is another really good one. um, And that has a pretty robust free section of it. Um, I love that one because you don't have to sign up. You can just download it and then you can listen to whoever you want to. Yeah. Search, search for however long. Yeah. There might actually, my therapist recommended that to me and the one, um, kind of meditation that she recommended, it's called rain meditation or it's an acronym. I don't know what it stands for R A I N, but it's basically, um, helps you to recall and release like really difficult emotions. So it kind of helps you go through, your it goes through your body and sort of like if you're thinking through things that are really 
distressing to you or that that is like a something that is a complex emotion for you where do you feel that in your body and then like where in your body do you have a safe place and it kind of just works through like how to release some of those things and have some more calm with it but it sounded really hokey to me like when I'm saying it out loud it sounds a little hokey to me but I did try it and it was so amazing so and I think it was like really brief. It was like maybe seven minutes long or something, but so that's, I looked it up really quickly. It sounds, oh, yeah. stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. Yeah. Um, but sorry, it, so it really worked. So it really did something for you. It did. And it really made me realize like, Man, I'm carrying stress a lot of places. Like the only place that I could find that was like a safe space in my body was like the palm of my hands. Like that's the only thing that felt like that's a calm space right now, you know? So, which is sort of comforting and terrifying at the same time, but that tis the season for those dichotomy of feelings. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh what's the quote for this episode it's um a a dark fucking forest (laughs) um you know I do want to say though because I'm hearing this more and more and this is one of the actually the biggest things that I'm worried about for us um is that there's just such this sense. I mean, it's so hard, like media is so hard in general, but I think especially now it's so hard when we've all been here in the hospital and I don't even work at the bedside anymore, you know? And so I, I can only imagine what that's like. I, I have so much respect and admiration for everybody that's still doing that. It's incredible. Um, But like you're saying, like, it's been so long now, it's been like eight, nine months, we've been in this trench doing all of this stuff. And then especially now, it's like this trauma that people are recognizing in the form of, uh, I feel like my community, like outside of my work community, like in my actual community, don't care anymore because they're still going to get together for Thanksgiving. They're still, they don't want to wear masks. They told me that COVID doesn't exist or how bad is it really? You know, like all of those, those are really coming up. Like when I'm talking to people, especially in the last week or so, or I guess two weeks, that is traumatizing people. Like that is a lot of where the distress is coming right now of just feeling like, I feel like people are just telling me I feel betrayed. I feel betrayed by the people out there and even in our leaders, you know, that aren't taking this seriously. And I'm not even really talking about the president, but even like local leaders that there's still news articles of them out to dinner with their family or whatever it is, you know, like that, um, that's causing a lot of increased stress for we're like, why, you know? So I don't know. I'm curious though, what, what your reaction to that is, Nicole? Well, did you see my rage post? I got, <laughs> was that, I'm going to, sw- I got so, I was so fucking mad. And honestly, as you're talking about this, like, you know, I just, 
It's like my stomach dropped. And you're absolutely right. You know, I'm, I mean, personally, I feel like we're at war. You know, it feels like we're, those of us that are trying to save the, save the people, <laughs> we're in a uphill battle because half of the country doesn't even believe COVID's real. Like, and they're just taxing and burdening us in a way that is completely unnecessary. And it's a total slap in the face. So, I mean, you know, for me personally, I have a wave of a variety of emotions around it. Um, and what it also makes me feel like is that, you know, that a lot of us are going to leave the profession and then when people get sick in like 10 years, 20 years from now, no one's going to be there to take care of them. I mean, I'm catastrophizing, you know, <laughs> um, but like, if, how can you expect the health healthcare professionals to want to take care of you if you are just continuously burdening the system and it feels you're absolutely right it feels like a complete betrayal yeah yeah it's so you know I've done a lot of talking to with um well I mean I guess people in all area like you know levels of practice or I guess you know levels of experience of practice but um a lot of the folks that I've been talking to are our newer nurses because, well, somebody that's been, you know, over a decade or so in nursing, it's like, we kind of at least know what normal was before this, like people that are entering our profession right now, they, that's like not a thing that they know. And I've even heard, you know, like, well, my preceptor told me in normal times, blah, 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 I do this, you know, but I don't even know what that means, you know? And so um, I worry for them. I worry for them being so new and coming into such a different profession than I came into, you know, it's like, do they, are they going to get that chance to kind of fall in love with nursing the way or at least that's what happened for me, you know, like you get, you just get these moments, you know, and it sort of becomes this, I mean, I really do view like nursing, like sort of like an art and a dance, like I find something really beautiful in it, the way that we kind of shift back and forth from being with somebody to having to be, especially as an ICU nurse, like so objectively looking for every single piece of information, you know, and just sort of like that back and flow. It really reminds me of a dance. I don't know, you know, when I think about that, that's what it reminds me of. And so, um, I, and I'm worried that they're not going to, they're not going to find that, you know, when, when they come in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I just keep thinking, um, we already knew, you know, before the pandemic that the folks who leave the profession are the ones that are the youngest, you know, it's in that first year, if you're going to decide if you want to stay or go. Yeah. So, uh, aren't we in a bit of a quagmire? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, well, this is a happy conversation. We're having. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, you know, actually, you know what came to mind as, you know, I was, well, I was angry also, but I had a moment, sort of reflective moment, which was, I just want to say thank you to all of you out there who chose to stay. This is going to air after Thanksgiving. So I want to say thank you to all of you that chose to stay home at Thanksgiving. That really, um, you know, warms my heart and helps me feel better about the state of the world. I know so many people out there have changed their holiday plans and I totally appreciate that. I also want to thank the listeners out there who have been staying home, who've been wearing masks, who've been social distancing, who've been not out there pretending like the pandemic isn't real. So I want to say, you know, we totally appreciate you and we see you and you know, the other people in the country are getting a lot of attention for misbehaving and causing a lot of problems. But we <laughs> we really need everybody to still stay on board the way they started to in March. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, especially when we're talking about the holidays, it's, um, of course, there's a lot of extra stress that I think parents are going through right now, trying to balance, you know, taking care of their kids and being a teacher and um, I can't even imagine because I don't have kids, but um, you know, our profession is pretty young, you know, even healthcare, you know, our, we tend to be younger. And so there's a lot of people that are single right now and living by themselves and maybe not anywhere near their family, you know? And so I would say check in on each other, you know, it's like, this is probably for a lot of people the first time that they haven't been able to be with any family um, and can't even be with their work family in a way that they're used to. Like, at least we had a potluck, right? Like if right. we work the holidays. So, um, and that's tough. It's been, you know, a long eight months potentially for people being really alone. And that's, um, I was talking to somebody at work the other day, um, that's single and they were saying like, you know, the other day, like I could count on my hand, the amount of times I've had a hug in the last eight months, like five times. (laughs) And, um, like the last time that somebody hugged me, like I started crying because I haven't had that human connection and I'm I tend to be like uh my love language is physical touch you know like you know and so I just there's so many different levels I think of why we need each other so badly right now you know and um even if we can't hug everybody I think just spending 15 minutes with somebody and being there with them and listening to them and not trying to multitask, like watch the news or think about the next thing you're going to say, or be on your phone, scrolling on Instagram, you know, like if you can have that quality time with people, even if it's brief every day, that is so good for you. And it's so good for them. Wow. Marie, I feel like, um, this is a really good place to end on. <laughs> um, you know, relationships are so important and we do need each other. Wow. I, this episode had all the feels. <laughs> I know. 
like, are you sure you want to talk about feelings with me? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's so good to talk about. I mean, yeah. you, we are, I'm going to say this to you, you're the listener, you know, you're not alone. We are not alone. We're not alone in this. We're not alone in experiencing these hard times. There are a lot of tools out there. Um, and you're right, Marie, we need to check in on each other and try to support each other. And, um, cause we are going to get through this. Yeah. Uh, not to minimize anything that what's, what's, what we're experiencing now, but, yeah. but we have to, you know, dig in so that we'll all be here <laughs> on the other side. I know. And I, I mean, I guess I, sh- and maybe you can put this in your comments too, but, um, you know, healthcare providers are at increased risk for depression, anxiety, and suicide. And so, um, I think just like you're saying, like, you're not alone. There's also help for you out there. If you're struggling, you don't need to struggle alone. Um, and maybe we could put in like the suicide prevention and crisis in your, um, in your little info. Yeah. I will. I'll link up uh, all those numbers. Um, I'm just going to be super honest here. Like I felt suicidal in June. Like there was a, there were a couple of days where I was like this, I can't, I don't, you know, totally out, out of norm for me. And, but I just felt like the absolute pit of despair and didn't, couldn't see a way out. Luckily I felt, I felt better, you know, but it happens and you're absolutely right. I will link up crisis prevention lines, suicide, uh, hotlines, um, and resources for therapy. Also, um, a link up the greater center for, I always say it wrong, but the science center for greater good out of UC Berkeley. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Marie. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. We used to work together all the time. I know. We used to have these conversations on the daily. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we would cry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard, we- you know, there's just, it's, there's still such a stigma, but I mean, honestly, I think the best thing that we can do when you are, you know, like you do, you have this platform now is to normalize some of this stuff. And so I really like, that's so brave and vulnerable of you to say that, you know, you felt suicidal. I think most people have or will at some point in their lives, you know, like, and that doesn't mean that you're going to complete suicide, but having those thoughts is a hundred percent normal, you know, and Mm -hmm. There isn't anything wrong with you. Um, And there's a lot of help out there. And I would say like one of the big things too is I've had people reach out worried about somebody else. And those crisis lines are for you too. Even if you're not um, thinking of suicide or in some sort of crisis, they are there to support you supporting somebody else. So, you know, use them to get resources for yourself to show up for somebody in a way that you want to, you know, I, um, it works both ways. So they're amazing resources. And I just, um, you know, can't, can't recommend just that. And I think that's the biggest part is like people just like asking like, okay, yeah, I'm going to show up for this help. Like, 
I've been doing a lot of these like group peer support sessions at the hospital, you know, and it's hard to get people there when they get there, they find it so helpful, but it's really still that first barrier of like, okay, I'm just going to try it, you know? And a lot of, I know you're trying to close me out, but no, it's okay. Um, I think a lot of what I've been thinking of, especially because when it comes to self-care, I've felt like I've had to try a million different things that I never thought I would even want to try, but I've been kind of thinking of it as like, I'm going to fail forward when it comes to self-care, like self-care is my job right now, you know, like, um, and to be like a little bit more like, well, I'm just going to try it and it might work and it might not work, but if at least I can keep trying and I have like a bigger net of resources of things that I know make me feel good, then if I'm in the middle of a crisis, I don't have to do this extra work of like what feels good because I've already done that. And so I have those things that I can go to, you know? So, um, it's sort of like having like your emergency care plan, like already in place for yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's good work to do right now. Like when you're not in the middle of a crisis is to do some of the investigations of like, what are these different apps or resources that are available? Um, the VA has a, a couple of really good apps. They have a COVID coach, which is um, it's free. And it uh, just goes through, it's not live, but they have all these pre-recorded videos about essentially it's like, pick your, uh, thing. <laughs> like, are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you blah, 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 you know, whatever. Are you sad? Are you grieving? And then they have this little like coach video that kind of talks you through it and gives you suggestions. It's really great. I mean, I could send you like a list of like a million different resources. There's so much out there, but, um, yeah, it's tough. Mm. It's tough right now. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, you know, I've wanted to attend those peer support groups, you know, mm-hmm. and then I think it's sort of like therapy, like you were saying about therapy of like, oh, sometimes you don't want to go or sometimes it's the best thing ever. And I've just like been like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. And I've, I don't know if I want to be with my feelings, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know if I really want to sit there and think about it, but there's so much good work that can come through, comes, comes with that and comes through that. So I'm going to challenge myself to join one or do, you know, to click on the QR code, (laughs) whatever, and get myself there. I'm going to link up all this stuff in the show notes. Marie, for those. Oh, wait, there's one more thing though. Oh yeah. No, it's fine. And you can put it in your um, notes too, because I'm not going to remember the name of it, but I did get a really good recommendation too for a support group in the Seattle community that is um, uh, like gender non-binary and very inclusive in a lot of different spaces. So, um, and I've, I've heard really amazing things about it and it is escaping me at the moment, the name of it, but I'll shoot it your way and you can put it in there. Great. We, um, we are all in this together, uh, you know, we have to take care of each other. Um, Marie, you are full of amazing and fabulous resources. Um, and I attribute you to 
probably keeping many nurses at the bedside or, or not leaving the profession um, and being there and being with so many people um, in their most formative years as nurses. And so, and you've just been a true gift. Where can we, f- can I, can I link you up in social media? Oh, sure. I mean, it's just my, uh, my old private account, but I'm Marie Elaine on most everything. So okay, you're, you're welcome to do that in there. I'll link you up. You, um, such an awesome person. Oh, and thanks. I love you, you know, so much. Friend. And <laughs> I'm so excited that Des had me ask you to do this show. So she's like, you got to get Marie on to talk about nursing, wellness and nursing. So you yeah. knocked it out of the park. Um, and you know, just show you, you showing up authentically, you know, you, you always care about people in nursing and, um, you know, it shows. So thanks, Nick. Thanks. Okay. Well, you have a good rest of your day. Okay. And, um, I'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.